Welcome to Meet, Act, and Part. A Masonic podcast hosted by Midnight Freemasons. Greg Knott, Darren Larners, Todd Vreesen, and Bill Hosler. Everybody and welcome to another exciting episode of Meet, Act, and Part. This is episode 34, which is Temperance, and it is the third of four episodes we're putting together on the four cardinal virtues. Doing something a little different on these, of making these podcasts shorter, but with a focused effort on each of those four cardinal virtues. So with that, let me introduce myself. My name is Greg Knott, and I am one of your co-hosts. And hello, I'm Darren Laners. Temperance, according to the Unciphered Grand Lodge of Illinois Ritual, is that due restraint upon our affections and passions, which renders the body tame and governable, and frees the mind from the allurements of vice. This virtue should be the constant practice of every Mason, as he is thereby taught to avoid excess or the contracting of any licentious or vicious habit, the indulgence in which might lead him to disclose some of those valuable secrets which he has promised to always conceal and never reveal, and which consequently subject him to the contempt and detestation of all good masons, if not to the penalty of your obligation, which alludes to the guttural. What is the guttural? It's from the Latin meaning throat, literally of the throat. It's a term that's usually reserved for sounds that are particularly harsh or grating, much like my voice on this podcast. Because the throat is the entrance way through which vice usually enters the body, and I'm talking here about vice as being alcohol, tobacco, food, or some other illicit substance, that this might be why temperance is associated with the guttural. Allowing such vice to influence a mason's behavior would inevitably lead to the possibility of one giving up the secrets of the craft because of uh, having a loose tongue due to their intemperance. As the old saying goes, loose lips sink ships. However, in this day and age, it's easy to write down the secrets on social media and hit enter. And to complicate matters, uh, the attachment of the four cardinal virtues to the perfect points of entrance didn't occur in our ritual until the mid-1800s. This being said, the points of entrance can be thought of those moments or movements that a candidate uses as he enters the lodge during his first ceremony of initiation. So the first thing a candidate does after knocking three times on the door of the preparation room, he uses his voice to answer a question. Without the guttural, he's not able to enter the lodge room. It's only a candidate that uses his voice to affirm that he's entering of his own free will and accord that can become a Freemason. Yes, candidate needs his voice to repeat his obligation, and the penalty of the obligation in the entered apprentice impacts the guttural. But at this point, the candidate has already vocally affirmed four times that he's entering the lodge and wanting to receive the rights and benefits of Freemasonry. It is at this point of entry where they affirm that they are joining without being asked, invited, solicited, or pressured to join. 
This is also one of the most powerful arguments that one can use when Freemasonry is accused of being a religion. The custom of most religious groups is to urge people to join their religion. They proselytize actively, and during certain points in history, it persecuted people who are not of their religion. Freemasonry does no such thing. Albert Mackey, when commenting on a man coming into Freemasonry of his own free will and accord, said, This is a settled landmark of the order. Fortunately, he did not include this settled landmark among his list of landmarks for some reason, but in his article on proselytism, he states, Freemasonry is rigorously opposed to proselytism, and follows, Nay, it boasts a particular beauty of its system that is a voluntary institution. We accept men of all religious backgrounds and allow them a forum to meet and enjoy fellowship with other men who might believe in a God that is not their own, but they must seek us out. So furthermore, if a man was to join due to pressure from his father, brother, uncle, or friend, and he ended up leaving, it might result in a family argument or a lost friendship. Mackey states that coming of your own free will and accord means that Freemasonry is truly a voluntary association of men, and that this is where the saying, once a Freemason, always a Freemason, comes from, and has meaning. And this is what, in my humble opinion, ultimately unites us as a fraternity, because each of us who have stood at the door of the preparation room have answered affirmatively that we are joining of our own free will in accord by using the guttural. Darren, I, as we were researching these topics, one of the f things I found was a short paper written actually only last year by uh, Douglas Messimer, who's past master of Tuckahoe Lodge number 347. And uh, he presented on the, the four cardinal virtues. And he really is talking about what you have been discussing. And in this, he writes... Temperance is one of the cardinal virtues indispensable in erecting our Masonic edifice. It holds in check and keeps restrained our affections and passions. The word temperance has acquired an unfortunate connotation in modern times. It is frequently associated with the movement to eliminate the use of alcoholic beverages. But the word has a much broader meaning. The Masonic definition of temperance may be simply stated as follows. Temperance is due restraint upon our affections and passions, which renders the body tame and governable and frees the minds from the allurements of vice. Every Mason is then told that temperance should be the constant practice of every Mason as he is taught to avoid excesses in all things, such as contracting any vicious or licentious habit, the indulgence of which might lead him to suffer or lose his health or cause him to lose his reputation. So I think that fits exactly about what you're talking about, whether you're talking about alcohol or smoking or something else, or, uh, again, it is, it's funny, it's things that maybe not only, as you said, related to the guttural, putting it in your mouth to go down, but I was also thinking it's like, well, I'm thinking it's probably things that are coming out too in terms of your verbiage and your language and what you're saying to, uh, to others. And excess can only, can also mean not only in terms of a food substance or a beverage, but also those words that we say to each other. And so again, uh, temperance is talking about that ability to govern yourself in a way that uses prudence that we talked about in the last episode. In other words, saying, I know when, uh, I know where my limits are and I know that excess of things is not necessarily a good thing. And when it's talking about building the Masonic edifice, which is yourself, it's not a building, it's, it's yourself, it's your both external and internal self, how you build that temperance is critical to maintaining that foundation as you build that Masonic edifice. And then as others see what that Masonic edifice 
is in your both conduct and actions, uh, that temperance helps keep strengthening it again over time. And again, doesn't mean that you can't do things. What it's saying is put a limit on it and use some due restraint and use common sense. Again, you're hearing these same words as you hear us talk through these episodes. There is those common themes. And of course, that's why these four cardinal virtues are linked together. So Darren, that's, let me go again to my Hillsborough article that I've referenced the previous two episodes because it always has a nice, uh, summary paragraph. And it says, for Masons, temperance is that due restraint upon our affections and passions, which render the body tame and governable and frees the mind from the allurements of vice. When practiced and perfected, a Mason is able to abstain from actions that may impair his faculties and perceptions. By this self-restraint, he shall not materially err. And again, it's not only talking about food and beverages, it's also talking about impair your faculties and perceptions. In other words, I think it's saying slow down a little bit, use some good common sense, use some restraint, put the brakes on yourself, and before you do something, again, it'll help you build that better foundation. So temperance uh, is mentioned in more than one place in our ritual, but in the four cardinal virtues, again, I think it's, it's uh, as, as they talk about, one of the foundational building uh, blocks of our own. Masonic edifices. In one of the earlier episodes, I discussed where the virtues were placed within the lodge room, that temperance resides in the South. This is personified by the junior warden, whose duty is to superintend the craft during the hour of refreshment and see that none convert the means of refreshment into intemperance or excess. So another thing I wanted to mention regarding the cardinal virtues, and that's how you see the cardinal virtues reflected in a tarot deck. Now I know we're only talking about temperance in this episode, but I'm going to just go ahead and list all four of the virtues here, even though justice is our next episode. In the tarot deck, we have a card called temperance, which usually depicts a female character that looks to be an angel holding two cups of liquid and pouring from one cup into the other. Now, upon first observance of the card, you might think that it's a card that has a sense of balance, but it's not in the way that justice, which we'll talk about here in a second, shows balance, but in a way that signifies the person who knows how to keep themselves in balance, somebody who knows how to not lose their cool, somebody who can be relaxed and calm on their exterior, even if they're sorting through and figuring out something in their interior. Now, it's also... However, in the card, we see how the angel with one foot in the water and one foot on land is balancing their feelings and their thoughts. And at the same time, they're pouring liquid from one cup to the other, which is an alchemical process of changing their self. And the cardinal t- virtue of temperance with moderation, pretty much all things, is beautifully and subtly depicted in this image because the activity is all within the self and the external appearance is calm and quiet. Let's talk about fortitude. In a tarot deck, fortitude's depicted by the strength card, strength being another synonym for fortitude, and usually depicts a lady who's petting a lion. Now, when we're talking about strength, are we talking about strength in the sense of physical strength or one's inner strength and willpower? And I think that what you'll see is that the four cardinal virtues all relate and even cross over with one another. And I would say that strength in the form of fortitude and temperance go hand in hand. And I think you see that reflected in the card as well. 
because I think the strength card stands for one's inner strength and willpower. And you see the image in the card with the lady who's covered in flowers and leaves petting a lion as much as she might pet her own cat. And the lion being depicted of the king of the beasts stands there basically surrendering himself to her. And this basically shows that the lady has used violence to tame or subdue the animal, but she used her inner strength, her willpower to do so. The next card I want to talk about be that of justice. The card of justice in the tarot deck shows usually a lady with a sword, a balance, and scales, and a crown, sometimes a blindfold. And this card usually shows this person sitting between two pillars, where it's carrying the raised sword in one hand and the pair of scales in the other. And this is showing that this person is an arbitrator of decisions. They weigh all the possible pros and cons of a situation and that they consider the emotional and mental aspects of a decision, but also spiritual aspects and moral aspects as well. But after making that decision, they take swift action. And I think that the Justice card, at least personally, stands for someone who can see the truth clearly and takes action uh, from a detached point of view. And probably it's no surprise that this card's linked with the sign of Libra, Libra being an air sign. And I'm personally Libra, and I can specifically state as a Libra, I never make a quick decision about anything. I am the epitome of over-self-analysis. So when you connect the card with uh, the meaning of the cardinal virtue of justice, you can say that basically that the image of this woman in the card is finding a different type of balance. It's a balance that applies internally again uh, to this, to one's decision-making process and action-taking process. And that justice is not interested in gaining something from the decision that's being taken and nor is it giving away anything there's also a balance here the balance that we see in the other two virtues we've discussed but a bit differently because this is the balance between the give and take that exists everywhere in nature the yin and the yang the black and white that there's good and evil in everyone and that the, the tarot card of justice is reflecting that balance that we all have to keep as people. Last but not least, prudence. There's no one card in the tarot deck that bears the title of prudence. There are many people who are heavily into tarot believe that this virtue is represented across a variety of cards. Some often pair this along with the justice card itself. Others claim that the world card is a good representation of the virtue of prudence. But I personally think that the high priestess card is the personification of the cardinal virtue prudence. When you look at the high priestess card, you notice her having a scroll in her hand, and prudence is usually shown as a lady who a, has a book or scroll, a mirror, and is sometimes crushing a serpent. So you see this image on the card of this high priestess sitting between two opposing forces. She's sitting between the two pillars that are Familiar to those of us who have undergone the Fellowcraft degree, uh, those two pillars that stand outside of King Solomon's temple. And you see her basically as the balance between these two pillars, almost as personification of what one would call the middle path. And she's incorporating her outer wisdom in the form of the scroll with her inner wisdom, which is showing her just 
they're contemplating between these pillars. So you get the idea that the high priestess is full of all kinds of wisdom and knowledge and that she uses this knowledge systematically and is able to reason with you and also tries to tell you how to think about things that are sometimes undefinable, like an instinct or intuition in some more precise mathematical or scientific terms. So if you connect the meaning of the cardinal virtue of prudence with the meaning of the high priestess card, you can see how all these instinctual feelings can just as well bring about a wise and calm approach towards one's events that they have to deal with in their life. Knowledge is considered to be equal to power, and the high priestess has knowledge, and she has the means and ways to use it judiciously. Well, that ends our discussion on temperance. I appreciate you listening to this episode of Meet, Act, and Part. If you feel like supporting us, please find us on Patreon. And once again, thank you for listening to this episode of Meet, Act, and Part. Thank you for listening to Meet, Act, and Part. For more information about our show, visit our website at www.meetactandpark.com While there please consider supporting the show by sponsoring us on Patreon. Until we meet again, may we meet Act and Park.